Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests talk about how families can work together to do good in the world and leave a legacy that will have impact for years to come. Author and speaker Bob Goff and his daughter, Lindsay Goff Vitisich, and businesswomen and philanthropists, Jackie Green and her daughter, Lauren Green McGaffey. Bob Goff is an internationally known speaker and writer of the New York Times bestseller, Love Does. His daughter, Lindsay, is a school teacher. Together, they talk about what it was like growing up in the Goff family and Bob's unconventional parenting style. They also talk about the important work they're doing overseas and why their hearts are burdened for children in need from all parts of the world. Together, they have written a book for children called Love Does for Kids. Hey everybody, I'm Bob Goff, and I'm just so glad to be here. I'm a lawyer by training, uh, but what we do now is we go around the world and we start schools for kids, uh, particularly kids that are in countries where there's just a lot of upheaval. So that's what we spend most of our time doing now. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and then moved down to San Diego uh, for college. And uh, I've been here ever since. I went to law school down here, stuck around, uh, met Sweet Maria. She wasn't Sweet Maria Goff at the time I met her, but she was after a long time of pursuing her. She became Sweet Maria Goff. And then we've just uh, had this beautiful family. And one of my favorite people in that family is sitting next to me. And it's Lindsay. My name's Lindsay Goff-Vidisic, and I'm a second grade teacher here in San Diego. And so I also spend a lot of time in schools and working with kids. I love getting to um, be with my students all day. I have 26 students. Um, and so all day I get to teach people how to read, how to use a computer, how to add things. It's awesome. So this is what it was like to grow up in San Diego and with dad is that when we moved into our house, like our childhood home where most of our, where most of our growing up years happened, um, instead of just having regular bunk beds, dad lag bolted in rock climbing holes into the walls <laughs> so that we could belay each other into bed. And I feel like that pretty much sums up our childhood. Yeah. Like it's if there's a normal version, you do just a little... What's the whimsical version right off to the side? Yeah, That's I remember uh, when I was growing up, nobody could touch the walls. That was like a big offense. It was like a misdemeanor or a felony. If you touch the walls. So when I, th I remember thinking when I get a house and I'm going to do whatever I want to those walls. So I yeah. think it was cheaper than therapy. And, and yeah. the whole idea of like belaying each other into bed, yeah. it was never a problem getting anybody into bed. They're like, no. it's bedtime. Like, this is amazing. Like, yes. <laughs> So part of that, most of us are either a reflection of or a reaction to the people that have been closest to us. And so uh, if you were raised in one way, you'll either reflect more of that or react to that. Lindsay, what would you say that you're a reflection, a reaction or both? I think a reflection. And how so? Yeah, a lot of stuff like the way that now that I'm married and we have our own family and that idea that like you always do the the meaning you always pick meaning over practical every time I think that was a big family value which is really great because I've married someone very practical so we balance each other out but like the always choose the meaningful version and the whimsical version and um like the relationship building version and yeah. you kind of like played like you structure life around that and then even when mom would leave out of town you would take us to like go do kid dinners 
Oh yeah, yeah. That? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So we got to pick out whatever we wanted to in Vons. Oh, remember <laughs> going get down and getting busted by one of your teachers? Yes, my first Because we just got spam yeah. and all this nasty stuff. Yes. And where was she? Up by the checkout? She wasn't, no, she was shopping. She was in the house. So, but she thought it was awesome Joel and helped us Cola. find stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. We would learn like things about nutrition. We would have like really healthy yeah. food. But then we would take the spam and uh, no lie, check it out. One of the ingredients is mechanically separated chicken. Remember? So what we had the kids do, everybody drew a picture of what that machine looked like. <laughs> <laughs> a little conveyor belt with chickens on it. And yeah. There'd be little fillets at the end, and somehow they got mechanically separated. That whole idea of being engaged, it, it isn't mm -hmm. something that happens uh, when you fall in love and slip a ring on somebody's finger. That's not engaged. It's what you do afterwards. Is to say, I'm going to live a life of engagement and wonder and whimsy, and everybody does it different. So riff on your version, however it is that God wired you, just be that and then pull that out of your kids let them bring you along delightfully if you let them off the chain they'll just take you on some great adventures there's a beautiful thing about being present um, not just in proximity to one another we're still working on that as a family just out of being more and more present the reason that i wrote love does is i felt like i, I wanted to get a, a, a story out there that didn't have a lot of luggage attached to it um, mm -hmm. so i just thought i would say true things and i d thought i would do uh, what jesus did and in matthew 15 it says he never talked to anybody without telling them a story so i just took the simplest stories i could and said it in the fewest words possible and I didn't include a bunch of Bible verses. I just said things that were true. If you want a Bible verse, read the Bible. It's full of them. Well, one of the things that we can do to the people that we love, to our children, is to just speak the truths of the gospel. But you don't need to dress it up. Make that super accessible. Jesus is the smartest theologian ever. And he points to two sheep and he says, it's like one of those gets away. So making your faith... Like, not easy, because it's not easy. It'll kill every previous version of you. But to make your faith simpler. And so the intent of Writing Love Does was to write a book that, that somebody that's a third-year seminary student might read and say, you know, that's actually accurate. But more importantly, I want the guy at the tire store that doesn't know anything about faith to say, I actually feel invited. And so the idea of writing uh, Love Does for Kids was really this concoction that, that our family had together. And our uh, best candidate to write that was Lindsay Goff Vitisic. So uh -huh. why did you write, what was your reason behind writing Love Does Kids? We talk a lot in our family. And I think the reason behind why Love Does has all these schools and is helping all these kids is that kids are our hope. Like they're the ones who are going to speak for us. And so that idea of, these kids getting to know, like and Jesus talking all the time in the Bible about how he's nuts about kids, like that over and over and over again is a theme. And so the idea of little kids getting to know that the kingdom of God is this very real thing is so neat. Or like that these kids who are going to be our future leaders have are introduced to who Jesus is so that they can be leaders like Jesus and follow Jesus. We've been working in Uganda through this organization, Love Does, 
for the last, it's been 17 years. And when we first started, uh, we decided we were going to start a school. Lindsay went over early on. What? Tell me what that was like. We just See, bought you a one-way ticket. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? I was in college. I was like 19. Yeah. <laughs> what a bad idea. So what happened? Uh, we went, well, I was there like right before the school started. So it was like two rooms in a brick building. There really wasn't much there. Yeah, we told yeah. 400,000 uh, young people among the million and a half people that were displaced by the war that they could come to our school for free We'll give you an education and on the first day of school nine kids showed up <laughs> I wasn't bummed though. I'm like we got a soccer team uh, And when we had a soccer field, but it had a big mango tree in the middle of it We're like whatever just like, you know get around it, but that whole idea to just not be discouraged uh by, by what happens, but be just so captivated by, by this idea of what might happen in people's lives. And then fast forward and a lot of people at Love does working for a lot of long hours. Um, and there's a school now with 37 buildings uh, on 50 acres and we'll just cross a thousand students that are currently enrolled and probably a like number that have graduated. There's a, the whole beauty that happens again God is not dazzled by some big number. What he's impressed by is people that see the, the, the people around them the way that he does. And, and I would say I'm not there yet. But the more I look at kids, the more I'm surrounded with people who love children well like Lindsay, the, the more I get a sense of the way God sees me. I'm just that kid that messed up, and I mess up a lot. So as part of our World Leaders Project, we got to meet with the Vice President of Bulgaria, and one of the things that was so striking to us about that interview and was so memorable is that when we got there, we were really nervous, and he told us when we sat down, like, children, I am more nervous meeting with you than if I were meeting with your president. And so it was this immediately disarming, like, yes. oh, already you And then made remember a he like clapped his hands or something. Yes. And, and out came kid food and he had all these apple had three little apple juices for us. We like sat with our apple juice and candies and um, got to learn about being friends. Yeah, this is a guy that used yeah. to be the ballistic missile commander for mm -hmm. the Soviet bloc country. Uh, yeah. But he understood about friendship. And what, what were some of the things he said about friends? Like that mm -hmm. you actually a friend knows. Yeah, so he said one of his big things that he talked about was to make a friend is to be a friend. And so that idea of like you need to start treating people like they're your friend already and then you become friends. So that was kind of the whole idea behind this World Leaders Project. Um, but then the other really neat thing that I love that he did was that immediately disarming saying like, I'm more nervous meeting with you than if I were meeting with your president. I think that's one of those things that in friendship, you don't have to be perfect to become friends with people. Like yes. it's, yeah, yeah, admitting like your like weak spots too. Well, so now fast forward like a decade or two mm -hmm. and you guys end up back in Bulgaria doing it was a yes. service project for somebody and you yeah. decided to go see a friend. They're still in leadership. 
Yeah, so we wrote a letter and we said, hey, we're gonna be in town, can we come and visit you and say hi? It was my brother Richard and I. And he wrote back and said, yes, absolutely. And when we got there and met with him in his office, he pulled out this pen that said, Robert K. Goff, attorney at law on it. And he handed it to us and he was like, you need to tell your dad to keep track of his things. I've had this in my office for 10 years. But then the beautiful thing that he said is I'm so happy that when I found it, I'm so happy that he left it because that was a sign that he would return. Yeah, like beautiful things. So maybe when you go over to your friends, leave leave something behind. You can leave a $20 <laughs> bill. But like leave something behind. Just have these beautiful traditions. And that's a beautiful thing about making friends with people. Like they'll, they'll have these beautiful traditions. They'll tell you and you say, what does that mean? And why is that important? And it actually makes you a friend. You make uh, little things into beautiful big things in your life. It's a lot of what Jesus said, that the smallest things become the biggest thing. And the way that mustard seed story ends is so that people could have rest. And here's a guy who took time to go meet these three kids in blazers. Um, and, and I would say that's had a pretty big impact on you, even, you know, decades later. Oh, yeah. And we asked him at one point, or, and as we've made these friends with folks through that project that we did, we'll ask them later, like, why did you say yes to us? We were three little kids in San Diego. What's the, why would you want to meet with us? And you know what they said? Nobody's ever asked us that before. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, nobody ever asked, will you be my friend? And so there's, I've, there's power in that too. Many of the countries that we do work in as an organization Love Does uh, are countries embroiled in civil wars. Uh, Uganda just finished a 25-year war. Uh, Iraq, Somalia, um, these other countries that we're headed towards, uh, they have this one thing in common. Uh, there's a lot of kids that get caught up in the middle of it. And one of the best indicators that the UN has found for the future of a country is how the country treats their children. And if they treat their children well, that country is gonna prosper. And if they don't treat their children well, it's not gonna prosper at all. And so part of the, the uh, idea behind writing A Love Does Kids is to say, let's go treat our kids well. Let's point them towards beautiful stories that are super accessible. And then to say, just go make your own story. A win is when you turn the last page of that story and you want to run outside with a handful of Band-Aids. <laughs> so, let's go do that and see how it turns out. Because yeah. a bad day isn't when it doesn't work. I would say a bad day around our household is when we didn't try. So the whole idea of Love Does for Kids was to just, it, it isn't uh, getting it down to like a, uh, a, a less significant message. It's say actually with fewer words, what if we provide a more significant message uh, to children and their parents about how they can enter in to this adventure called raising a family. As a teacher, something that I absolutely love is taking really big abstract concepts and then translating them into eight-year-olds, like bringing them into, bringing these really big ideas like grace and the kingdom of God and forgiveness and mercy and um, making that into something that a little kid can understand. And so what books like Jesus Calling for Kids and then Love Does for Kids both do is that they take these really abstract concepts and then they make it so that it's accessible to these little hearts and little minds and that those things can really sink in and become part of who kids are.
Yes, and sometimes with the illustrations. I know you spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with that. <gasps> Tell us why yes. pictures. What have you seen in kids' lives when they see a picture and identify with it? As a teacher, I would say reading pictures is reading. Like that's the first step. Um, and so for a little kid to be able to flip through a book and see these really vibrant pictures and be able to tell the story themselves and remember um, these big concepts on their own with a picture attached to it, that's been really And the neat. coolest part is when somebody uh, has a photograph or an image that you respond to, that you start talking about your life and your story. And that's what we want for parents and their kids. Uh, just like uh, with Jesus calling for kids, the uh, idea is to tee up the conversation that could happen, mm -hmm. start from something really relatable to something uh, in, in their lives that's really relatable. And so one of the things that we uh, each do, we have these rhythms, these habits that we start, and we hope that uh, people will take a chapter, that they'll read through that, almost like a devotion, that they would take that, and then they would, when the uh, couple pages is done, they would say, so to kids, what do you think about that? Isn't that what your style is in school, to you read a little bit and then ask oh, them? Yeah. Why do you do that, and what are you hearing back from the kids when you when you draw out from them? Like, yeah. we'll read, what did you see in the pages? It's actually really beautiful. When you sit and read with a child, like our, I immediately thought of our little nephew, like he calls it being cozy. So he'll say like, can we go be cozy? He's two and he wants to sit and read and be cozy. And so that idea that a child's going to love reading because they've like sat and been cozy and like get to read about this, but that they're going to associate that with faith. Like that they think about it in that way, that it's like this place of comfort and safety and all those things. So I love that that picture of a parent being able to do that with a child with these children's books. And the crazy part when you start having these habits in your family and start doing it with your kids, these ripples go out and you don't even know as a parent what shore they're gonna wash up on, but you know they went out. Mm -hmm. And so take the time. Read, read these devotions, Jesus Calling, Love Does for Kids. Mm -hmm. Read these things with your kids. Let it feel like that's a really cozy, safe, place. It's not where you're just learning stuff, it's where you're actually expressing stuff about how you see the world, how you see your faith. So we really hope you'll enjoy the book. Look for Bob and Lindsay's book, Love Does for Kids, from your favorite book retailer today. We'll be right back after a brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Want a daily reminder that we can have hope, peace, and joy each day in Jesus? Now it's as easy as opening an email. The Jesus Calling Daily Email brings you a thought from the Jesus Calling family of devotionals every day. Brighten up your inbox with this little reminder and take a minute to connect with God during your day. To sign up to get your free daily thought from Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. That's jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. Our next guests are businesswomen and philanthropists Jackie Green and her daughter Lauren Green McAfee. Jackie and Lauren's family has built and currently runs the Hobby Lobby chain of stores. As co-authors, earlier this year Jackie and Lauren released the book Only One Life, How a Woman's Every Day Shapes an Eternal Legacy. Today, the mother-daughter team tell us what legacy means to them and why every person is equipped to leave behind a life that can reach countless generations into the future. 
I'm Jackie Green, and my husband is the president of Hobby Lobby Stores, and we together helped found, co-found the Museum of the Bible that launched in Washington, D.C. in 2017, in November of 2017. I'm a mother to six children. I've been married 33 years, and I have four grandchildren, and my, my favorite thing to do is to be with my family. I've been able to co-author two books now, this one, uh, Only One Life with my daughter, Lauren, and a previous book, This Dangerous Book, that was um, launched last November of 2017 with my husband, Steve. I'm involved in different philanthropic endeavors with Bible distribution, and I have a heart for children finding their forever homes through adoption. And I'm Lauren McAfee, and I'm a proud Oklahoman. This is where my husband and I met. We are high school sweethearts, and we've been married over eight years now. And I now am working at Hobby Lobby Corporate and in a role as corporate ambassador, handling communications and PR for the company, and absolutely love working um, at Hobby Lobby and being in the family business. Legacy is something that I think upon hearing that word can sound daunting or like it's got to be something really big in kind of the world's economy of having power or leaving a lot of wealth, but that's not the way that we define or see legacy. Legacy is the story of your life that lives on after you leave this earth. One of the quotes that we came across and have written in our book is by author Max Lucado, and he says that legacy is outliving your life. And so with that perspective of legacy, we each have a role in leaving a legacy. Every person will leave a legacy. It's just, we have to determine what is that legacy going to be? And are we going to be intentionally investing in that legacy for good or for bad? So all women have the opportunity to leave an incredible legacy. And it may not be the way that the world would value a legacy, but that's not what matters. What matters is that in God's economy, when we invest in the things that are eternal, when we invest in people, when we invest in knowing God and, and understanding his word and sharing that with others, that will leave a legacy that will last not only generations beyond us, but in eternity. So in our book, we cover 12 different character traits that we've written about women who've lived these out well. Um, they're, some of them are courage and generosity, uh, wisdom or faith, but some of the, the stories that I particularly resonated with for, for my season of life were the ones on boldness and tenacity, as well as prayer. Um, it was difficult to narrow down what 12 character traits to highlight, but the 12 that we did come up with in our book were ones that we, my mom and I personally, want to exhibit and grow in. And, and so we've been inspired by the women that we've gotten to, to write about, um, and they've encouraged us in our own faith journeys. And with with the journey that the season I'm in right now with pursuing a PhD, that was something that I never anticipated in my life. And I honestly just didn't think that I could do. I didn't feel like I was capable of keeping up in a PhD program. And so the chapter on boldness and tenacity and those two chapters really have meant a lot for me as I've tried to um, just rest in the faith that God has a plan and walk in boldness in that and, and with tenacity to continue pursuing my studies. 
every day. Um, it is very, it's an arduous process to get a PhD, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity and continue to try and draw upon the encouragement of the women that we got to write about in those, those chapters that have meant a lot to me. One other aspect for being a legacy minded is to look futuristic, but also look to the past and see the examples that we've all had with women in our lives that may not have realized what an impact they did have in our lives. And um, we use 36 women in our book. We use examples of women in the Bible, women in history, and women that are current day using their lives as examples of legacy mindedness and um, that have impacted our world and will continue to impact our world. And so many of these women, you know that they did not realize when they were in the midst of their life that they were really going to make a difference for others that would come behind. One of my favorite stories that we share in the book is about a woman named Elizabeth Ann Everest. And I love that we got to highlight her story because I know it may be, she may be someone that not many people are familiar with. But in the chapter where we talk about a legacy of faith, we share Elizabeth Ann Everest's story of her continuing impact in the world today in the way that she invested her faith into someone that many people would recognize um, his name, which is Winston Churchill. So Winston Churchill had parents that were not very involved in his life, and he was raised by a nanny, her name, Elizabeth Ann Everest. And, and her faith in the way that she invested in Winston really shaped the man that he became. And obviously he's had an incredible um, impact in our world, but there are so many women um, from, from the scripture too. And from today that I, I absolutely adored getting to share their stories. Um, women like Joni Erickson Tata, who just been an inspiration, Mary Beth Chapman, who's shown incredible generosity and her story with adoption and passion for adoption is really connects with me and my mom. Um, I'm in the adoption process and my mom has adopted my sister. Many touch points with the women's stories and how they inspired and connected to us. And I hope that that's the way this will feel for other women that read the book is that there will be little bits that feel a personal connection to as they read these stories. We loved highlighting Sarah Young in our book in, in the chapter on wisdom because we it fit in really beautifully. We were writing about Sarah Osborne as one of the women in history who has left an incredible impact. And she was, Sarah Osborne was a big journaler and Bible reader. And so she, throughout her story, left behind this incredible legacy of some of her writings. And that reminded us of current day Sarah that we knew who was also had a love for scripture and writing. And then that's how we got to Sarah Young and um, her impact that she's had through writing Jesus Calling, this devotional that has touched and inspired so many and, and has such value in highlighting the Bible and how that can be influential in our daily lives. And we love that Sarah Young has shared that with the world and and also that Sarah continues to value the Bible as the highest and most important thing for our lives and and so we love sharing and kind of highlighting the particular um, work that she's done with Jesus Calling and her passion for the Bible because that is where we find our foundation for um, all of what we should be looking to for our legacy is the scripture. 
In November 2017, the Greens opened the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., three blocks from the U.S. Capitol. The museum aims to offer visitors an immersive experience with the Bible and show its ongoing impact in the world around us. The mission of the Museum of the Bible is to invite all people to engage with the Bible. So far, there have been over 400,000 people go through, and, you know, it's continuing to to grow and thrive, and we are just so grateful to be a part of it. It's been a monumental project for, for our family, in particular um, my husband Steve and, and myself, just supporting in any role that I could. And uh, we're just grateful to, to see Scripture highlighted in the museum in all forms and through all time and history. And it's just such a great resource for people, for individuals, for families. We're seeing families that are just so excited to be able to take their children. And there's a children's area. It's very interactive, very immersive. So um, it's something that is enjoyable by all age groups. And, you know, it's something they can do together and really have their heads over the scripture and reading together and, and uh, learning new things. There is something for everyone, um, and it's very engaging and interactive and um, one of the most technologically advanced museums in the world, actually. So it's um, taking this ancient book and, and reminding us that it still has impact today and is impacting lives, impacting culture, and impacting the world. And it's something that people still engage in every day. It's amazing to see how far it's come in just the eight years since it started. Um, and now it's open in Washington, D.C. I think that as women, we just need to take the time to, to recognize that the little things we do every day really do matter. They really can matter and be sensitive to the Spirit of God and uh, the opportunities around us to influence and impact those that are placed around us in our home, in our work, in our community. There's this realization that we each have a powerful opportunity for leaving an eternal legacy. And that one of the beautiful common threads that I've seen throughout the stories of these women is that they each had incredible legacy but they may not have realized that in the moment and in their lives. It was only as they've looked back and seen what God's done that we can now appreciate the beautiful legacy that He has shaped through their obedience and their faith in Him. We don't have to feel like we have it all together, but it's that daily offering to the Lord of saying, I want to be faithful with what you've given me and steward that well, whether it's our time or our talents or our treasures. And that's the opportunity and the invitation that we each have. To learn more about the Museum of the Bible, visit museumofthebible.org. Jackie and Lauren's book, Only One Life, is available wherever books are sold. This week's featured reading comes from the January 25th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Let my love enfold you in the radiance of my glory. Sit still in the light of my presence and receive my peace. These quiet moments with me transcend time, accomplishing far more than you can imagine. Bring me the sacrifice of your time and watch to see how abundantly I bless you and your loved ones. Through the intimacy of our relationship, you are being transformed from the inside out. As you keep your focus on me, I form you into the one I desire you to be. Your part 
is to yield to my creative work in you, neither resisting it nor trying to speed it up. Enjoy the tempo of a God-breathed life by letting me set the pace. Hold my hand in childlike trust, and the way before you will open up step by step. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.